KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. The app TikTok is wildly popular and in some circles wildly controversial. Recently, the state of Montana passed legislation banning the app in the state. No other state has a TikTok ban as sweeping as what Montana will have in place, and Montana's new law signed by Governor Greg Gianforte will likely be challenged in court. Other governments have banned TikTok on government devices. Montana is the first to enact a law impacting everybody in the state. That report comes from Alex Stone on ABC News. So what's behind all of this? The concerns, for instance, about young people and self-esteem or, you know, the addictive nature, it's none of that. That is Dr. Hilde Vandenbroek. She is a professor and head of the communications department in the College of Arts and Sciences at Drexel University. So if those things aren't moving the state to ban the app, what is? It's more about one other aspect of that TikTok has, but that also other social media have, is of course that all these social media gather a tremendous amount of our data. The concern here is that indeed the ownership of TikTok is that in origin it is a Chinese app and I think up to 20% of it is uh, owned by a Chinese Chinese internet company called Bite the Dance, and that's where the concerns start. I'm Matt Leon, and in this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth, we talk about why TikTok is so popular, how legitimate are the concerns that led to this move, and where it could go from here. Kind of give us a thumbnail of TikTok. I think most people, older people, people my age, we know of it, we hear it referenced, uh, but it is wildly popular and it has had staying power unlike other social media platforms with the younger generation so kind of give us why is it so popular what does it do thank you for this um yes tiktok is certainly very popular i think uh in the u.s alone it has 150 million users and if you look at the profile of the users you'll see that they are across the ages one of the things that we may all remember from from TikTok is the grandparents and the children dancing together. So it's a wider, but clearly it's a young audience. So it's a little bit, you know, the TikTok generation is probably Gen Z, right? So it's very young people. And maybe it's part of that idea that at this point, every generation has their own social media a little bit, right? You would have the Facebook for the old people. There's an Instagram for the millennial. And then it seems that TikTok is there for the Gen Z, for the youngest one. And it is extremely popular because it's very easy. There's some ease of use, right? It's very easy to access. Uh, Everybody can do it. Everybody can sort of upload a little uh, video. It's short and snappy and it has a lot of good things, right? It really pushes creativity all the way from grannies dancing with their grandchildren, but also to all kind of artistic expression from dancing to painting instructions or whatever. You also learn a lot from it, right? How to hit a nail in a wall. I learned the best way to hit the nail in a wall, but also real educational things. It helps to connect. It helps to share. You see a lot of therapeutic work on TikTok. Uh, You can make money uh, from TikTok with influencers and other people building a business model around it, individuals making money. It can be political activism. K-pop fans that gathered on TikTok to try and sort of outsmart presidential candidates. So, you know, it's it's a very all-round thing. It's, as we all know, something that you can almost get lost in too, right? I find myself, although I'm not maybe their main target audience, I find myself seeing 
a TikTok video. Maybe I see it through Instagram or whatever. And then I think that's nice. And then you start scrolling. And before you know it, you look at the clock, you're an hour on. And you might have learned something. You may have laughed. You may have cried. All kinds of things. But that also points maybe to the more negative points about it, that it is kind of addictive. Not necessarily the worst addiction in the world, but it is kind of addictive. It also creates certain images. And there is a lot of concern that, for instance, for teenagers, things like body image or in general, self-image, because as with many social media, it's a lot of a hooray, look how perfect I am. And here are all the filters with which you can look much better than you actually do, or which which you can have your TikTok face at least, right? So there's also a lot of that, right? There's concern that kids will, if this is your view of the world, and if this is your view of what you should look like in that world, that can be concerning. This is something that we've seen with other social media too, right? We've been worried about the glamour of the Instagram pictures. We've been worried about other things with Facebook, but it does come with that thing too. The issues of misinformation that were huge on Facebook are also there on TikTok, right? Also conspiracists as much as sort of, you know, other people as, as scientists can find their way to TikTok. So it's a certainly a sort of mixed bag in that regard, I would say. What is it that allows it to maintain the popularity? Because that's one of the things is we have seen other platforms kind of arrive and they get really popular, but then maybe it wanes. They don't go away. Some of them go away, but then the other ones, they don't, they stick around, but they, they kind of wane. Is it the ease of use with TikTok that allows it to stay at this incredibly high level of popularity? I think certainly the ease of use is a very important part of it, right? Because if you or I want to upload something somewhere, it has to be easy or you turn away from it. But I think it's a combination of ease of use. I mean, it's not hard to use Facebook either, but what it is, it's certainly that visual aspect. I think it's the the speed with which things can sort of go viral And sort of it reinvents itself also all the time, way quicker, I think, than, for instance, Instagram. And I think one of the recent changes in Instagram was pushed by TikTok, right? This idea, and you may remember not even that long ago, where you realized, wow, Instagram is no longer about the photos that I post, but the stories that go on. And now it's about the real. That's Instagram trying to compete with TikTok, right? So TikTok is not just easy to use. It is quick and short. It is a wide variety. It is easy to go viral, even if you have zero users, because it's not just about building your own audience, the algorithms and TikTok will help you. So it's a lot of things. It reinvents itself. And a lot of people sort of gain from it, either emotionally or financially. And that all helps to keep it alive. So the reason we wanted to chat was the idea that the state of Montana recently became the first state to ban TikTok. And it doesn't, I think it's important to note that it doesn't go into effect until January 1st, 2024. We have heard a lot of hand-wringing about TikTok, more so than even other platforms that can be problematic. And a lot of it seems to be connected to connections to the Chinese government. And I think specifically, that seems like what the state of Montana... Give us a, a quick synopsis, like the connection between TikTok and the Chinese government. What's real? What is, I don't want to say not conspiracy, but overwrought concern? Like, are these worries about TikTok being a conduit where the Chinese government can spy on Americans? Are they legitimate? Okay, that's a good one. And that, yeah, the legitimacy of that will, you know, will be for intense debates, right? But 
So of all the things that I've talked about so far, none of that is really the reason why Montana is banning it, right? So although it might, the issue, the concerns, for instance, about young people and self-esteem or, you know, the addictive nature, it's none of that. It's more about one other aspect of that TikTok has, but that also other social media have, is of course that all these social media gather a tremendous amount of our data, both through what they can see in the videos that we do, but way more so because, as you know, whenever we enter social media, they know all, they know our movements, they have so much data on us. That in itself, as I said, Facebook, social, other social media, but even the website of an average media company of a very traditional newspaper, the moment you click on a website, on a web page, all kinds of third-party services push into action and collect data about you. This is just how the digital world works, right? The concern here is that indeed, uh, the ownership of TikTok is partly, this is also something that maybe doesn't always come across in the sometimes heated debates, is that in origin, it is a Chinese app, right? And I think up to 20% of it is uh, owned by a Chinese internet company called Bite the Dance. And that's where the concerns start, right? The concern is the relationship between that company and the Chinese government, which is sort of, you know, build up as a maybe not enemy of the U.S. or of the West, but certainly someone to, you know. A boogeyman. Yes, exactly. Right. And so the idea is that this is a Chinese company that gathers all these data about us. And where are the guarantees that it will not then be used by the Chinese government? Right. It's as I said, the com- that company is only 20 percent of the ownership. A huge part of the ownership is just international uh, organizations that or well, commercial uh, interest. And so that's, that's global ownership. If you like, you might have a share, maybe in TikTok might be worth your money, right? So that's more those things, right? So investment companies and whatever are part of it. But obviously the focus as it is with other, again, with other social media, right? What makes TikTok more worrying? according to Montana and many others than uh, the other social media, is that Chinese ownership. And the the concern that that means because of the organization of the Chinese uh, state, which is a much more controlled, obviously, as you know, in in China, Facebook and many things like, uh, you know, Western search engines are banned. There's much more control over over media and media content and what their citizens are doing. And so that's the concern that that government and there is not hard proof that that company is by definition and that strongly related to the Chinese government that it would exchange that information, not more than in a way, maybe the links that you could think about between American owned social media and the American government, right? Or other Western government, or just think, you know, what was it? Cambridge Analytics was not TikTok, right? (laughs) That was an American company. So I think it is a little bit, does it make sense to be concerned? I can imagine so. I can imagine that it makes sense to be concerned and that you would say, maybe people who work in the Pentagon, maybe you shouldn't have TikTok on your phone. But maybe if you work in the European office, European Union offices, maybe you shouldn't have Facebook on your app on your phone in that case, right? And to go from that to say, like, we want to avoid to the extent that we would be concerned of having sort of foreign app entering areas where we have information that we think the rest of the world should not have, which makes perfect sense in interstate relationships. That's one thing. Whereas a state then saying nobody can have access to TikTok, that's a quite a big leap, I would say. But that's a personal opinion, maybe. Right? Yeah, but I think kind of to your point, you would think people would be much more worried about, as American citizens, they'd be much more worried about these 
social media companies in the U.S. that harvest the exact same data. If it's going to be weaponized, I would think you'd be much more worried about it being weaponized by companies in your own country. I agree. It's a very strong point because it's kind of interesting, obviously, that I think in U.S., but also in the West, where there's always a concern like we don't want the government to know too much about us, right? We're very weary of... You know, that's why in UK, they don't want uh, IDs, sort of state ordered IDs, except for, for international travel or whatever. We're very worried about what the state knows about us. But we seem to be totally fine by sharing all our private information with corporations. But corporations will use this for all kinds of economic reasons, which are not necessarily to your benefit. Right. I mean, it is interesting in that sense. And because if, even if the Chinese government would have access to your personal data, what are they going to do with it? It's different. As I said, in uh, to my, I can appreciate that you don't want to bring a foreign app into the sort of area where you think this is national security or whatever. But how much is that app going to do with your information? We need to take a break. We will have more with Drexel University's Dr. Hilda Vandenbroek right after this. This is KYW News Radio In-Depth. And we are back on KYW News Radio In-Depth, continuing our conversation with Drexel University's Dr. Hilda Vandenbroek. So the idea that Montana banned it, or you know, has passed legislation to ban it uh, effective the first of the year. How would that work if I have TikTok on my phone? Does it work in Idaho? But then, as soon as I go over the state lines, does the phone know I'm in Montana? And and I'm only I'm not saying this tongue in cheek. Are they that smart that once you go over state lines and it reads that you you're in Montana, that the app won't work? If you're in Montana, I would imagine come the first you can't download it in montana like is this realistic how will this be policed so i think that's the whole idea right and that's also because as you probably know uh tiktok has counters has sued the state right and one of their argument because what montana says that uh, is that you can't you can't have the app but also that your phone or the iphone app store it cannot sell it in montana or Internet providers need to help make sure that once you cross the Montana border, that you cannot go on TikTok, have TikTok, even whatever. And these corporations who might have their own economic interests, obviously, right, uh, will say, well, it's almost, it's very hard for us to police that this is not how these things work. If you think about find my iPhone, I don't want to, I'm not advertising iPhone, but I'm sure every brand has it. But, you know, if you lose your phone, you can sort of find my iPhone. There is a lot of technology that will tell you very detailed where your piece of equipment is. So maybe in principle, it could be policed, right? It could be controlled, but the practicality of it is not very realistic. I think particularly because you would say, I mean, it could be different if you, if you would compare to China, for instance, right? Where the government says in this entire country, we will not have Facebook, right? Even there, Chinese people in China may find ways through something like a VPN style thing to work their way around it, right? But if you say it's just this particular app, that is pretty complicated even technically to to ensure that. Yeah, and I think if this were something being done at the federal level, I think it would be much easier to kind of understand. But from a state level, you know, I'm driving down, I'm walking down the road, I'm fine, I'm fine. Now I'm in Montana, now I, I can't use it. Now I've walked another mile and now I'm back in Idaho or 
I keep saying Idaho because it's the only state I'm positive that is next to Montana off the, off the top of my head. But it, it just doesn't seem realistic. And who is going to be enforcing this? Like, what is the what would the penalties be? Are we going to have police running around the state tracking down people making videos on TikTok? Like, the more you dig into it, the more it doesn't seem serious, if that makes sense. Yes. So, and I think that kind of reflects a little bit with all, seriously, with all due respect, because that sounds like a cynical comment, but really with all due respect, that I think it kind of reflects the sort of heated debate in which these things come about and the sort of politicized thing behind it, right? That we're, it's, yeah, it's these, this vortex of, of media attention that then suddenly, right? And sort of almost a moral panic that leads up to this. And while I'm sure that the people who developed it did not go overnight, it doesn't look very realistic. And also, more importantly, even about then the tech, technically, it seems weird to, you know, if you could technically, if it would be more easy than you and I probably think, but what if your house is in Montana, but your garden is in, you know, the next day, you're going to walk into the garden to watch, <laughs> to watch TikTok and then make sure to switch it up when you leave one phone in the shed with just TikTok on it and have the other phone in the house, right? So that's not very realistic. I think it, but even more importantly, is that we really need to sort of take a step back and think like, what are we doing here in the sense that why TikTok? Is that, so does that mean that ownership is a reason? So does that mean that Montana would be fine with, say, UK saying from now on, we ban every social media. We think that Facebook is terrible because it's an American company, so maybe the American company will know, will tell the American government about the, U, you know, the UK citizens' data. I think the US would be pretty upset if that would happen. So it's, I think it's, we need to take a step back and think like, is TikTok the problem? What is the problem here? It's a concern about that government. I can see how that works at the sort of anything government-related thing. But we need to think there's many other things. I mean, we also need to think of the principle of basically censorship, right? Because I think this is, if you look at the reasons why you know people think this should not be happening from sort of bottom up, there's been a lawsuit from you know individuals that make money by being like social influencers, right? And they say, look, this is kind of a state trying working against my business interests. But then TikTok itself, and I'm also even civil society organizations uh, will say, well, what about the First Amendment, right? The freedom of exchange of information, of me sharing information, et cetera. And that is true. So if we start doing that for TikTok, are we going to do that for all social media? Is Montana also going to ban the other social media, which we wouldn't want, or I, as a communication scholar, would think would be a terrible thing. But where where is the actual hard reasoning behind it, right? And also, so are we fine with other social media sharing your data with whoever pays for them, which is what happens? What if a government, what if another government pays for data again, Cambridge Analytics, right? But what if another government would pay for the data? So we think Zuckerberg's word is worth more than the Chinese company saying, well, we don't have, and here's all the rules we're putting in place, right? So I think that's, those are more important questions. And I think I would not be against certain forms of regulation towards social media. One of the things is that social media companies lobby hard to not be recognized as media because then they could fall under certain regulation of the FCC, right? So we think it's okay that the FCC said that you can't swear on on television, right? But social media say we're not media. We're just distributing. We're not producing information. That's an interesting conversation to see 
do we still agree all as a, as a society and as a country, do we still agree on that? Or should we force these companies to recognize you are kind of by what the nature of what you do, you actually are media, which means you might fall under certain principles. That's an interesting conversation. That's, again, something at the federal level, probably more than per, on the state level. But those are probably more important conversations to have. Yeah, to the point of that, that. What you said earlier about legitimate social media concerns, about body image and things like that, it it seems to me this is a, a very American political handling of this, where we make a rash decision based on something that in no way actually addresses the problem that the situation presents. And we wash our hands of it and say we've we've solved the problem because there's a lot to be worried about with social media, Chinese government aside specifically TikTok, all the things you've mentioned, but in racing this legislation through, none of those none of those concerns, which are front and center, are actually addressed in any way. Yeah, I think that's an important one because the whole issue of data gathering and selling, you know, users data is a huge issue, but not just for TikTok, right? And regardless of whether that gets sold, well, it would be terrible if, we, if the Chinese government just, could just get those data. We don't really know if that is even true. But regardless of that, the fact that these data are all out there, that could be something worthy of concern, but then in a broader sense, and then maybe based any potential legislation, maybe sort of, you know, empirically based, based on research rather than, I would say, what sounds very much like sort of political upheaval and moral political panics, because that's never a good guidance for any legislation that's supposed to be long lasting. And that you know, would be in the public interest. Because I think if we think about what is in the public interest, then just saying, let's get rid of TikTok, that's not necessarily in the public interest. Because it also means that, so that whole worry about data is solved by getting rid of TikTok, all these other social media and all these other ways that our data are gathered are still there and are still doing, but we can ignore that now, right? That's kind of the, I think what you're also saying, right? So that's a little bit the sort of ambience in which this, mm-hmm. this legislation is, seems to be working. And it, I think some of it is, you know, you remember, I'm sure we all do, the Chinese balloon, right? So right. It, again, that's also partly media attention and sort of political manipulation of everything that goes on to then certainly bring that in a certain combination that suddenly China is a huge, you know, is spying on us everywhere from social media to balloons to whatever. And in that heat of that moment, then a piece of legislation comes that if if it sticks, that is worrying because it is kind of a censorship that is being enforced without proper analysis. Maybe at some point, I can't believe I'm saying this, but in theory, maybe there's some reason for some censorship at some point. It's kind of a hard thing to say as a communications scholar, but not based on a sort of political moral panic. And it seems to me you ban TikTok. You don't really, everything I've read is no one seems clear on how exactly this would be done. So you tell 15 to 19 year olds, you can't do this. Don't have a way to really police it. It seems to me it's going to have the opposite effect. Not that TikTok needs any help when it comes to popularity, but by putting the giant red light around it and saying, don't, don't use this. You are absolutely going to see the exact opposite happen, which kind of leads me back to the idea that this it, it's not done for the for the right reasons. It's done for the headlines and for the political capital. And then, you know, it is what it is. Yes. And I'm not on the end of the spectrum, but 
they would have to wonder then to what extent it will really work to their benefit because maybe not the 16-year-old, but soon those will be allowed to vote, right? And I think as it is, that whole generation is certainly politically interested, right? You don't, you should not assume that a 16-year-old or whatever is not politically interested. I think a lot of them feel that they're not heard from the amount that I talk to people of the, the Gen Z generation. They feel that they are not heard by politicians older than their grandparents would speak. So they will, you know, and they used to use TikTok for these things to gather and sort of create a sort of political activism. So I don't know. If that even if if it's only a sort of a political goal, I'm not even sure that they will reach it there. But beyond that, it's much worse that, you know, that that it seems to be okay. Whereas the First Amendment is I moved to this country relatively recently, right? And as a communication scholar and a policy scholar, you know, I know all about freedom of information, gathering and distribution and whatever. I come from a Western country where a democracy where that is very important too. Nowhere is the first, you know, is that more important than any American talks about the First Amendment, and then almost carelessly that gets put aside for what seems to be more of a political maneuver than really extremely well-researched concern. But that can be then a very worrying precedent. So how do you, I mean, I don't want to ask you to see the future, but what is the most likely thing? You mentioned as we were recording this, TikTok announced it was kind of countersuing Montana on First Amendment rights. How do you kind of see this playing out? And there are other states that this has at least been talked about, and there's probably things in the pipeline. Like, what do you think's the the most likely outcome here based on the kind of cards that are on the table right now? This is hard, right? This is... (laughs) This is, uh, I'm looking in my, my glass bowl, which is uh, academics don't like doing that, right? But I think under the Trump administration, I think Trump tried in 2020 already tried to get rid of TikTok and got sort of the courts put a stop to that. So I think certainly there are already you know, TikTok itself, but also the individual users that are suing or against this decision. So I think there is a great likelihood that it will not make it to January 1st. Right. I would assume that other sort of, you know, in the political arena who might consider doing this, too, will might want to check whether where that is going before they would do, you know, would start doing like the same, similar things. At the same time, we do live in sort of polarized times and we do seem to be living in times where this symbolic action that sort of speaks to the anger of the day almost, you know, ha- seems to be happening more and more, right? And we've seen many examples of this. So so it is, I think in, in that sense, it is something to be taken serious, right? Because we have seen so many things where we thought, this is so weird, this is never going to happen. And then <laughs> there you were, right? So I do think it's something for the critics and for anybody who cares about this topic more broadly, something to be taken serious because you do find, as I said, that what feels like a one of moment that will die away and then it doesn't, right? We've lost some, I mean, if I think of women's rights, <laughs> even in the past few years, the unthinkable has already happened a couple of times in sort of turning back the clock. So we seem to be in that moment that there are forces or sort of, you know, political ideas that really are sort of aimed at that. So I think it is something to take to take serious, to not just laugh off and say, oh, it's never gonna happen. It probably won't happen. That I do think that. But you never know that if that, you know, if there is a sentiment enough to keep pushing this kind of things, a second try, a third try, and before you know it, this is what we're doing now. 
That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.